0: Here we are in the heart of our retreat. We have momentum. Whether we're sitting at home or sitting here in the hall, we have momentum. We have momentum because we have practiced. And the value of practice as an orientation is that it is a movement towards the skill we're interested in gaining, the understanding we're interested in realizing. Resulting is not quite as effective as practice, because in resulting, we tend to get caught in our... Liking when we feel like we're getting somewhere, and not liking somewhere we're not. And we also, when we start to uh, practice resulting, we get this idea as though we know what we need. That we—that which we're trying to learn, we know what that is. And therefore, we—if we're not careful—we practice. Our concept, we practice acquiring our concept, our view about something, rather than staying available to the experience. Thus the importance, uh, as uh, I believe Guy mentioned the other night, someone mentioned uh, don't know mind. I think maybe I started with that the very first night also. This don't know mind, this Korean idea of, of uh, approaching from the humility of the reality that we don't know. So we're moving in a direction we we that we can have some trust in. But thinking we know, it's a little tricky, huh? It's really tricky. How many times are we confused about that? How many times do we unlearn what we what we we've been trying in a certain way that's got a certain gripping in it? And we have to find a way to let loose of that gripping because we're trying to impose. Thus, this thing that I uh, suggest for us all over and over again is that we're practicing practice. Practicing practice. I utilize this all the time in my own life. I am practicing practice. That I know. That is reliable to me. And speaking of reliable, we, again, whether we're practicing at home or here in this hall, we are exploring awareness with this open don't-know mind where we're available both to understanding and to uh, a direct experience, including the felt sense of awareness, being uh, resting in knowing directly awareness. And Ajahn Sumedo says in many, 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 many talks, the Venerable Sumedo Awareness is your refuge. Awareness of the changingness of feelings, of attitudes, of moods, of material change and emotional change. Stay with that because it's a refuge that is indestructible. It is not something that changes, it is a refuge that you can trust in. A refuge like Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, that it is an empowerment for all our practice. We are engaged in being mindful of consciousness. That's the kind of of mindfulness we're practicing, being mindful of consciousness. And in, in this uh, particular aspect of consciousness that we are pointing to, which we are terming awareness, and sometimes term a field of awareness, and again, we are pointing to it in its um, unmoving nature. And so in this reflection this evening, we'll visit for a short while this uh, Contrast between stillness and movement. One can easily start to get down on movement. but Maybe that's not so wise. One can start to uh, think one can't understand or you don't experience stillness. That would not be accurate. So we have to kind of use this don't know mind to... Open to our experience of stillness and movement, in relation to what's being uh, explored in in awareness. Likewise, uh, we'll briefly touch on the implications of living in a realm—this realm here on Earth, the human consciousness realm here on Earth—where everything is in the form of opposites, which the Buddha called the eight worldly winds, uh, capturing that in terms of the uh, internal emotional experience of praise and blame, uh, uh, pleasure, uh, I'm sorry, praise and blame, uh, 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 pleasure and, and discomfort, uh, and so forth, these these uh, four different categories of these opposites here. And it's a much larger Opposites that we're involved in, including life and death. It's a pair of opposites, huh? Very confusing as to how to live in a world of opposites. It's uh, disconcerting, uh, frightening, uh, disheartening, and yet, with awareness, There's a way that the opposites can be reconciled can be reconciled. Sometimes this opposites we talk of in terms of dual world and duality. We're living in duality. That's another word that can be used. But for tonight's exploration, I'm asking that we we just see it as uh, the opposites at play. All of these opposites that happen. So to begin, if we may, with um, a, a, a repetition, because repetition is how we human beings learn, but also for a further clarification of some of these terms. I came up in uh, some of the uh, discussion meetings today, practice discussions uh, about, like, walk me through this again, you know, as to exactly what's what here. So, uh, as we've all said in various ways repeatedly, vinyana, this word we use, meaning the consciousness that is involved in relation to sense objects. Consciousness involved in sense objects. We know uh, our hand when we look at it. We know the feeling of our hand hitting our thigh. We, we, we know that we are seeing and we know that we, when we see, we know there are objects involved. Some kind of object, some sort of image, sensation of some kind arises in the mind from one of the sense gates. And uh, that's, um, that's the experience of our life. We're walking around as this uh, ever-flowing uh, mind moment of sense objects arising and being known or not known being paid attention to or not being paid attention to. And underneath that, there's a strata of we're having all these things happen to us and we're not noticing it. So they're not arising as known sense objects. But, uh, you know, our body's a little uncomfortable where we're focusing on something else and we straighten ourselves up. It did not register in the foreground of our consciousness. Registered somewhere in some way maybe, but not in this, this conscious knowing. So that, uh, that feeling of that is the, the uh, challenge of living life. How do we wisely relate to our experiences through the sense gate, including the mind? Wisely relate. Wisely relating from the Buddhist point of view would be to see clearly what is suffering and not suffering, and to see clearly that it is in our interest to choose non-suffering, even though in this short term it may look like we're choosing suffering. That's an unfortunate part, isn't it? <laughs> so many things that, on the moment, uh, pr- uh, promise such immediate uh, yumminess, but then, then, <laughs> so we are we're we're learning that. The wisdom of that, and then we're learning how to perceive that wisdom, and we are also which I think often gets overlooked uh, as we practice we're we're gaining the empowerment to make choice. first, we have to realize we have choice, we have to see what is, and I'll come back to this again, and then 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 we because oftentimes. We see what's suffering, but we don't realize we have any choice. We can't get still long enough to realize a choice. We can't interrupt movement. Their mindfulness is not strong enough, or we haven't understood that with mindfulness, we can interrupt movement that leads to suffering. We we just haven't... Uh, ganged that yet now, or we've ganged in a lot of areas in our lives. We don't run stop signs and things that we know would cause suffering to ourselves and others. But in so many of our experience, our small experiences and our views and how we allocate our time and uh, the, these uh, the, the ways we, we get so convinced of something, we 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 haven't we haven't really learned that yet. And so we what we practice, and what are we practicing? So that's vinyana. And uh, from my own personal experience, and this is referred to a few times, I guess, in the text, in one way or another, that when we are with what's arising in the moment, it is appropriate uh, as an overview Is that something is being illuminated? So there is there's all of these things happening in each of our bodies right now. All these things through all these different sense gates, and something gets lit up. It gets illuminated. One can look at attention as the spotlight. Something gets spotlighted, and it is illuminated. And I'm using that word that way. Because it so uh, ties into something is being known, you know, uh, sleepiness is being known, excitement is being known, meaning it's being lit up, it's being illuminated in the mind in some way, and our uh, unnoticed focus in life is we go from one thing that's being illuminated to another. We're always in. Uh, relatedness, not necessarily wise relationship, but relatedness to what's being known, uh, as uh, a guy said the other night, in relation to its pleasant or an unpleasantness, or its neutrality, which we tend not to notice, or we tend to have a kind of um, uh, uh, deluded ideas about it if we do notice it. So that... Uh, That vedna, that pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, and more accurately said, neither pleasant nor unpleasant, much better said that way for me, at least in my practice. That is is what occurs if you're going to know an object. And, And you're not doing something wrong. Your practice is not inadequate. It's the nature of experiencing objects when the mind when the, when, when the mind registers that object. Awareness has, uh, when awareness is present, we are more able to have a different relationship with that object. And for a long time, uh, the, the relationship will still be pleasant or unpleasant. But gradually it can move to just pleasant or just unpleasant. I started to bring tonight this fairly long account of this monastic who came to a new relationship with pleasant and unpleasant where it no longer registered at all. Things just did not register. He knew that things were pleasant or unpleasant, but he did not actually have a he did not have a felt experience of it any longer it was not it was an intellectual recognition of pleasant and unpleasant, but his mind had zero interest in it. And I decided it was a too long uh, a thing to read. But uh, that shows the spectrum of possibility of what our minds are capable of. Uh, this, uh, this great uh, moving away from being entangled in the fact that we... we we like objects of some, and we don't like objects of others. About ourselves, if something about ourselves we don't like, that's unpleasant. If something about ourselves we like, we like it. And that, that, that's why it's so entangling. It's so natural. This is why I'm repeating this. Because it's so natural that it's easy to not really... You, you've maybe heard this two or three times already in some form in a, in a practice group or in, here in the hall... But to really let that in, that's, that's really true. This is, this is really factual. This is not an opinion. And A.E. Pasico, you can see it for yourself. You can just easily watch that this is so true. This is so true. And, and I can watch myself. Forget it. I can, I can not have that perspective while I'm experiencing something that's, you know, small traffic you know and it's unpleasant and i make that traffic an object without really including me as part of traffic but everybody else is including me right <laughs> and so so the, the the practice of of mindfulness is that we we in, we insist that we notice we insist we notice and as we come to understand awareness better that creates more space, which we've explored, on uh, which to know internal space, space in the mind, space in the heart, space actually, and for room for intuition to arise. Of three of those uh, forms of knowing, uh, because the, mer- the the awareness gives us a kind of shelter; it's a refuge. As uh, the venerable Tomato just told us, so. Uh, as we as we move through our experience again, I'm repeating here because it's this. There there is just this kind of uh, a, a vinyana moment of of something something's registering in our brain nervous system through some sense gate, and then we have uh, uh, this we we uh, and we understand it. We have a perception of it. That's that word sanya that uh, sanya that that guy was mentioning and then uh, we uh as we we start to uh we start to relate to it we have mental impressions about it and then we have what well, we have all of this uh surround around everything that comes up our relatedness in terms is uh, our, we're basically in my view and certainly uh, that's what a, a number of people have said in the science world we're basically oriented in our, our experience of objects, is surviving. We are, and Well, we should be. We, we, we look as to something being dangerous or not dangerous to us. And how are we going to survive it from the beginning of humankind without, without that sense of that, without that orientation? So it is most hardwired in. And to this day, it's essential for us. So, we have a perception bias. In that way, we we narrow our attention. Even eating something that doesn't taste right, when we were out on the savanna, that was an indication not to eat it. So we the 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 vedna feeling is part of survival. It's it's not a bad thing in any way, and then of course it also makes life very rich. The, 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 the pleasant and uh, even the unpleasant uh, has ways that it, it, makes, it makes life more textured and creates a contrast that kind of keeps us interested. Uh, uh, oh, it's, we're, we, we're stimulant-oriented. We like stimulation. Uh, that's our, we're human beasts, like to be stimulated, and pleasant and unpleasant are quite stimulating in that way. And we know from childhood on if the baby is not stimulated, it won't thrive. And there's, we, we, that's well-documented. Failure to thrive, as talked about. And so uh, we're still involved in being stimulated in a way that will allow us to, uh, be, to thrive. But now we're thriving in a more subtle way, a more refined way to live in this world of opposites. More refined sati and and the ways that we relate to sati that to our mindfulness mindfulness being this wonderful tool for uh, uh, clarifying what, what what how are we relating to objects that arise in the mind and is is is, is that skillful or not the way we're relating to it is it uh, are we able to are we actually evaluating it? Are we just acting on impulse? And impulse is often quite dangerous uh, in, in, in big ways and just in general in terms of uh, if we can act on impulse towards goals that are not wholesome goals from a Buddhist perspective. And uh, that would include doing things that would harm ourselves or others out of impulse. And uh, there's so much of that going on right now, as you know. and all aspects of our life with all populations, things coming out of impulse. So that mindfulness recognizes that impulse is not wholesome, but also mindfulness can recognize the, the, the uh, even though we're going in the right direction, we're going towards something that would be a be part of wise effort, that our means of getting there is not, we're not being skillful about how we're doing it. We're dealing with our difficult friend, sibling, parent, child, and we can know that what we're doing is really not skillful because we've done it many times before. And yet we can watch ourselves doing it again. Mindfulness, as it matures in that area, you know it before you start it, or you start it and you back out of it and you correct in the middle. The mindfulness uh, brings the wisdom to the whole process. So, mindfulness doesn't just meet the surface of the experience, but it penetrates the experience. The the 12 insights of the Four Noble Truths, uh, uh, as taught to me by Sumedo, has this whole idea of penetrating, having a deep understanding, a, a deep relationship with the moments of our experience in this way. And again, for every stage of this, the awareness is helpful it's not something separate although it is its own it's 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 its own aspect of consciousness but it's not separate from everything we've studied all along and it is just another form of mindfulness it's a different thing that's being known being related to through through our mindfulness practice so we are still doing that and we, it is uh uh, it's vipassana. What we're doing is vipassana. And so we we we, we, imply, we we apply all of this, and we end up with being able to have a kind of uh, recognition of what is a wise choice. What's a wise choice? The more aware of uh, awareness, the more there is this presence of knowing, Capacity that there's we we are we are resting back in that knowing. That that is so so empowering to this process for us, and that's why we bother to study this. We we study this. We practice this. We explore it. We open to it. We are available to have it uh, reveal itself to us for it to be known, uh, and. Uh, because it is so so useful to us we we've done uh, a guy took us through uh, uh, new ways of this afternoon of, of knowing awareness. Sally this morning took us through a new way. We'll look at a new way tonight but the the... Process, however, we get there, just having a general interest in, okay, I want to be aware of what I'm knowing. I want to see this process of knowing. I want to have it be part of my experience. That alone uh, can, uh, can carry us so far. Remember the first night when I just asked you to be aware? You'd not heard anything, you'd not done anything, you weren't settled in, you were tired, you were restless. And yet, you had some experience of awareness. And some of you reported in your, your group meetings that it was like, oh, yeah. So, even now, we know we're aware. We know that. We know that capacity. We know that faculty. Right now, in this room, we know And we know that we know that. That's the part we tend to forget. We don't, we don't, we we can know it glancingly, but we don't occupy it. We don't let it in. It does not become available for wisdom, for compassion, for love. That's knowing that we know this awareness. It settles us. It creates space. It, uh, uh, it, it, um, Takes away the some of the enchantment of impulse, of ideation of what we uh, what we uh, find positive in a way that we start to grasp after it, cling to it, become identified with it. That leads to independent origination, to suffering. And so, uh, as we bring new awareness into our sati practice, it does become mahasati. It is a greater inclusion in the mindfulness practice. We have yet another uh, uh, set of practices of wisdom that enhances our ability to practice vipassana. It enhances the likelihood of, of insight. For one reason, is because it is such a refuge, as I've just described about all this impulse. So that alone is so useful. That brings us to the dilemma of a human life. Life requires movement. If we are not moving, we're dead. It's just so. The heart movement, the the lungs movement... Everything, we, life requires movement. The mind requires movement to function in the world. And um, the uh, even in um, sitting for long times when there's nothing in the mind, there is still movement. There is still movement. It's only when we come out of it that we can maybe know that movement. So, movement is not the enemy. In the world of opposites, what well, that which that you move towards, what you like, and move away from, which you don't like, that is not the enemy. It is to be employed through wise attention uh, towards uh, having choice that we. that is is based on on wisdom and based on compassion. Repeating what was said the other night uh, about um, the mind that's aware of awareness doesn't send its knowing outside this awareness. Nothing can, can be concocted in the mind when it knows in this way. Yes. True. But you got to figure out how to get from here to Detroit as you're driving. And so there is a movement out into the world, into the world of opposites. Detroit's this way and Mexico's this way. There's, those are opposite ways. Although if you kept going far enough, you could come back around. <laughs> but take a little bit longer. So uh, the, the, this that which knows is what's not moving. You are, you are, you're, you're in meditation. In this retreat, we are encouraging the the the, the resting as, as, as completely in the awareness as possible. So we we are we're saying you can just rest there, and there's no movement, or very little movement, or there is movement, but there's the, the the movement is in the background, and this this non-moving, the stillness of knowing that doesn't move to objects is there in the foreground, or uh, even further, there's there is this degree of pure awareness where there is not movement at all that's being known in any way. Again, that this is an integrated. Uh, experience it's it's not an either or, although we, we when we emphasize the awareness, then we, that's to deeply know it and have more access to it. But it's not an either or. We're not trying to. Uh, we're not creating silos of experience. We're not siloing. We're we're wanting a uh, we're wanting a, a way of our aspiration in terms of having a wise wise view and wise intention. With our mindfulness and our right effort and so forth, and our taking that into the the, the the daily life stuff, it is this kind of integration of this 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 being embodied in a new way, being embodied so that we have access to appropriate response in the moment. Stillness and movement, we employ each movement necessary. We're not trying to get rid of movement. Having a wise relationship with, in regards to movement, but not get rid of it, but not always be the uh, yo yo at the end of the string in relation to movement. To have choice at times to have no movement. Have choice? No. We just stop. There's a sense of that we don't know what we're doing, so we stop. And we don't have to figure it out necessarily if it's if it's not something that's immediate. We just stop. We leave it alone. And then it allows us to change direction or to approach it with fresh, fresh understanding. And stillness gets in, in, involved all the time, even in the watching the breath. If if you watch the breath for, you know, I'm just going to pick a a larger number than necessary so that everybody will agree with me. If you watch six inhales and exhales, your attention was still. If you really were there, if you were really present, your attention was still on, on that breath of knowing the breath. So we employ stillness all the time. If we didn't have moments of stillness that interrupt all of this fran- franticness that of, of the exterior, but mostly the franticness of our mind, we would, we would go crazy. We would all go crazy. We would all get disoriented. We would, get, um, uh, we would have all sorts of uh, psychological, uh, cognitive problems. We utilize stillness all the time. And to know that and to trust that you already know the stillness in this way that we're pointing to here in, uh, with awareness. And likewise, when, uh, when uh, you are in neighborhood concentration, so that the, the for whatever reason all the hindrances are at bay, there's a, the, your mind is collected and unified, as we've encouraged you to do on this and many other retreats. Your mind is collected and unified. There's a degree of stillness because it's not, it's not moving out, being motivated by our restlessness or being motivated by our our fretting our worry about something or, or our wanting or desiring a sense object or our aversion to some sense object. it's not moving out. the mind's not moving out, just like she said, Peske says the mind that's aware of awareness. Doesn't need to send its knowing outside this awareness. When if the mind knows in this way, and there's an inward stay in an untangled knowing, so we have many moments of untangled knowing. You're not caught. I'm not caught. No one here is caught all the time, in all of the things that's happening. It's, I, I so encourage you to uh, acknowledge that to yourself that you're not always caught. It can seem like we always are a cult. Mahaboa. The mind is the one who knows that pain arises, remains, and vanishes. The mind is the one who arises, remains, and the, I'm sorry, the mind isn't the one who arises, remains, and vanishes, like the body or the feeling. So we, thus knowing, is the balancing for the movement. We are balancing. We are balancing it so that all of this pull and push of the opposites. Oh, I want this. I don't want that. Oh, uh, there's health and sickness. Oh, that aversion to the sickness. Oh, all of this entanglement in our aversion. And then the being sick and we get so, oh, this, am I going to die or not? Or is this going to be here forever? Am I going to have long covid all of the this feel fear this worry this this thing that is not towards uh, dealing with the problem medical necessarily, but is this uh secondary what we call papancha mind that that the stilling of that secondary reactivity that papancha mind is stillness it 's stillness occurring in movement you 're still having to deal with the problem, but you don 't do that. Secondary and tertiary reactivity—the papancha. This one thought following another, and you you bring in all the stories. This, if, you know, if I'd had a healthier childhood, I wouldn't be prone to get sick, which is maybe not so relevant to this moment of dealing with the sickness. But we do. That's that's the nature of the mind moving. It feeds on movement, and movement leads to more movement, leads to more movement. But if we're aware of the movement. There's a natural balancing through this awareness, the presence of knowing, aware of knowing that settles down. It 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 uh, stops the hyperactivity of movement, even here on retreat, as you know, and anywhere else. So, uh, as as we get more um, interested in this, that. If this awareness, this knowing capacity, doesn't move, where does it fit into reality? Where does it fit? What is that? What is it to us? What is the implication to us in terms of well-being? And uh, going completely uh, to a person who was not a Buddhist, but who said... At one time in a talk, he could easily have become a Buddhist, who was quite taken with it during his college years, uh, at T.S. Eliot. Uh, So many of you, most of you, maybe even all of you could have heard this many times, but you'll hear it maybe a little differently tonight, given what we've been exploring. At the still point... Really tune in, because he's speaking to each of us. He's really saying, he's describing the way it is. That's very, very, very Buddhist. This is in the four quartets, and uh, he, he, he borrows heavily from Buddhist teachings and, uh, and uh, Hindu teachings, the, the Vedas, everything. And this is very, very, very Buddhist. At the still point of the turning world, I'm doing the dancing for you, Don. <laughs> so that just really allows you permission to... <laughs> at, at, the, at the still point of the turning world, So everything's moving. There would be no... This, if this world stops moving, we're done. All of life is done. At the still point of the turning world, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards, at the still point, there the dance is. What dance? The dance of the opposites. The dance of life. The dance of life. And so our inquiry becomes, how do we dance with life? And how do we use this awareness as a guide, a north star, and a felt sense, an affect, a realization, a companion, dance with life, to dance with the opposites. The still point that we don't, we don't get the still point preventing us getting so entangled that we fall into suffering, that we miss wisdom, that we miss understanding. At the still point of the turning world, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards, at the still point, there the dance is.
1: There the dance is.
0: There. There. Being back, rest there. The mind doesn't have to move in this moment. We can rest back in its knowing capacity. We're mindful of its knowing capacity. And it's not getting, it's not moving out, it's not being utilized for knowing objects. It just is. It's it's its faculty, its capacity is being known. And now we can know it in its emptiness and its and its radiating quality and its responsive quality. We can have all of that, but we don't have to. You can do it right now. We've done it repeatedly here in five minutes. Learning. Making that a habit, integrating it, having it be second nature of what the way you meet the world—you meet the world uh, with from this awareness, rather from uh, the identification with the entanglement. It doesn't mean we're not going to have entanglement. That's optimistic. Uh, uh, maybe next week some of us can get to be the Buddha, but for the rest of us, you know, we're going to have entanglement. We're gonna have entanglement in our sit, but not always. And the degree of the entanglement can be so affected by this, by this, uh, uh, this turning the mind towards the knowing and away from that which is alluring to us. And, uh, and again, what can often be alluring. Is that we're dissatisfied with that we we don't better understand or can't get the mind to have this ability to turn? So we can be judging the very thing that that we you know, we we are adding to the challenge of being able to turn towards knowing because we're going. I'm not turning towards knowing. I don't understand what this means. And da, 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 da. So we go off in this chain of associated thinking of papancha mind. So that we get in, We get totally pulled away. In the movement, or we go into the eddy of movement. You know where we we have this this self-criticizing eddy that we do over and over again, and we've forgotten we totally have nothing to do now with knowing knowing stillness, knowing knowing awareness. It's our nature, and we learn to uh, the trained mind becomes uh, uh, less caught in that entanglement, and that's why we practice. So. At the still point of the turning world, neither flesh nor fleshless, neither from nor towards, at the still point, there the dance is, but neither arrest nor movement, and do not call it fixity, where past and future are gathered, neither movement from nor towards, neither ascent nor decline. It's just awareness. Pure and simple. It's turned inward. It temporarily is not outward going. temporarily not outward going. We can get to that through many different ways till we kind of know how to just move towards it. So again, we've been teaching you a number of different ways to do that. And here's a point that um, you can either believe or not experience from your own self or not except for the point, the still point, there would be no dance, and there is only the dance. So, without this awareness that knows, that which knows, how could you have a dance with life? This knowing quality is essential. I mean, practically, this is not a philosophy, this is not a concept. You, uh, it, it, what one just has to kind of look in the right direction to get this. That this, everything, that the empowerment of the, this faculty of knowing is required for everything that you ever experienced, ever had experienced, ever will experience. And yet, it's so often overlooked. It's so not noticed. Because we're so entangled with objects. We think the meaning of life is only to be found in objects. We really do. But can you imagine that maybe love itself, this capacity of love, is in fact not an object, that it's that, that responsiveness of, of 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 the knowing quality is love itself maybe? So then maybe this knowing capacity is well worth our understanding. Well, that there's a, it's mysterious in ways that we haven't yet seen. There would be no dance, and there is only the dance. I can only say there we have been. I cannot say where,
1: and I, and I
0: cannot say how long, for that is to place it in time. And those of you who've been absorbed, that the mind's been so settled, you know what it's like to be in the timeless. You don't know if you've sat for three minutes or, or three hours. You're so, you've been so you've not been in time. You've been in the stillness of this of this knowing capacity, this knowing capacity of consciousness that is refined far. Uh, more than the moment to moment of mind that's being registered as being known. Here is how he describes that feeling of well-being. And some of you told us some wonderful things today about using space and using using awareness, just wonderful experiences you had. The inner freedom from practical desire. You're not moving out to your desires, the inner freedom from practical desire, the release from action and suffering. Release from action and suffering because we're not entangled. We're just here in this knowing capacity, which is our nature. The reason we know our nature is because we can feel it. And we know that without it, the individual moments which we get entangled in would never happen. And... It is there that any, any particular individual moment we have could not happen, and there would be some other thing happen in that moment. Just watch here for a moment. The next moment's going to unfold. No matter what you do, the next moment's going to unfold. Just watch. I'm serious. It's unfolding, right? <laughs> it's always unfolding. It unfolds whether we're entangled in it or not, <laughs> because we live in space-time, and that is the nature of space-time. That uh, consciousness unfolds moment to moment uh, as as a, a stream, a stream, a stream of experience. When we get really concentrated, we're not uh, we're not necessarily registering that stream. Well, but we're rather that we're registering that which knows that stream, that which has the capacity of knowing those. That that is the enabling, from my view. I will say it this way, claim that only the, that is the enabling of the moment-to-moment happening for the dance to happen, for us to move in life. It is empowered. It is the necessity. Is of the very thing we have pointed out day after day. This awareness. This knowing faculty this knowing capacity and over and over again saying well let's know the knowing capacity why would we not and it's not that hard we have this ideas about it and that we want to know it a certain way or you know the way the way don described it or the way sally described it or guy described it there's we, we we have this idea of that's knowing it no let's just know it use all of these different suggestions that as they appeal to you as they resonate with you of different ways to get to know it more directly, more more freely. The inner freedom from the practical desire, the release from action and suffering, release from the inner and the outer compulsion. Whew. Ah nice, huh? <laughs> and I'll stop there with that it goes on with describing the very uh ecstatic moments, but uh, for this evening, not so interested in that. So, this, this movement, this movement, and the non-movement of the knowing quality, the stillness can help us recognize the, this, this faculty of awareness, and uh, and so this is yet another way to access because we, we uh, uh, stillness is familiar to us. Space itself there is there's a, when we're in space we can often feel the stillness. The earth element when we were doing the meditation about resting in the earth element, the earth element evokes that stillness. it's relatively still and it evokes the knowing of stillness, uh, learning how attention, when it's when it's steady, that vataka and vachara, that aiming, sustaining. Uh, when we're staying on the breath in that way, that's stillness. So we can uh, we we can uh, use the stillness as a way to get to to this knowing capacity. Very uh, uh, useful for some people. Maybe for you, maybe not. Ajahn, uh, that's not the oops, Sorry. What hmm. oh. <laughs> happened? In using the term Vipassana, it is important to know that it includes a variety of ways of practice. This is Ajahn Amaro speaking in using the term vipassana it is important to know that it includes a variety way a variety of ways of practice such as this being the knowing and it doesn't refer to just one particular systematic teaching being the knowing in the knowing one can just be well, let's try that for a moment Just be. What's present when you just be is what you can find is knowing and you and as a felt sense. So again, just be. For those of you online, in just that one minute, there was this wave of stillness came through the room. And it was, it was the kind of, that stillness is nourishing. I could feel the nourishment you know, for myself in that. So just be, that's another way to experience this, possibly for you, who knows, but possibly. We, we really have no choice but to live in movement. We really don't. We will be involved in doing till we die. We're also going to be involved in regular knowing till we die. We're knowing what time it is. We're knowing we need to go to the bathroom, whatever it may be. We're, we're knowing the sky is blue. But we can be grounded in the being of this awareness. We, it's 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 available. The degrees of it are so dependent. The degrees of knowing, and experiencing that are so dependent on conditions beyond that which we which we can control. It's just, as far as I can tell, the way it is, there's so many larger, you know, karmic things and and that condition us. So that's why the practicing practice is just being, being that stillness, being the know, turning towards the knowing and sitting there in the knowing, walking in the knowing. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You can walk in that... Each step, what your primary experience is, is the presence of, of the knowing capacity. And you're moving. You're, you're actually physically moving. And still you can have a, as a primary object to a degree, the knowing. If you go too far, you need to first hold on to something. If you go further still, you need to you need to sit down because you will lose you'll lose enough consciousness of the movement. But uh, that's here. That's here and now. Here and now, this 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 uh, availability. We we and it's not that it's not a, It is our becoming available for it to arise in our knowing of knowing of knowing. It's it's not that it's not available. There, there, uh, Knowing is not an it to begin with. It doesn't have characteristics like like other things has, as uh, as we've said over and over. But but the idea that okay, I am I'm going to I'm 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 not I'm not like doing it. I'm I am turning towards it and just being with it. I'm just turning and whatever I get when I turn, I'm just going to be with that. And then after a while, I will turn again because my mind's moved. So I'll just turn again. Just turn. Knowing, knowing. Knowing is knowing, knowing. And I, I, there's a knowing, knowing, and it's got layers of that. I, it, we, we're backed up. We're not just doing the routine of it. We know that. The, we know. We know the sincerity. We know that we know. We're we're invested in it. It's registering in a deeper level. We know that we know knowing. The, the recognition that allows choice is there. It's 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 uh, it's penetrating. Go back to that word of penetration. It is penetrating. It's 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 knowing it at its base, its core. Unswerving knowing in this way. And so let's just sit in knowing for a moment. Move on. So, first, just be. Notice any degree of stillness. And now turn towards knowing you're recognizing the knowing faculty. It's an energetic presence, or this, the, the our recognition of it is energetic, I should say. I would ask that you know that you know. You, you know stillness, you know this, this awareness, this knowing faculty. And I'm asking you now to know that you know, to have that rec- second level of recognition. You know that you know it. For me, that is even more still more empty knowing, Thank you for your kind attention our time for our walking practice. Uh, we'll be back at nine for sitting in stillness, knowing, knowing.